calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. Hey, everyone. This is John Rocco, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this spoiler review episode of The Geek Buddies, an additional episode we're doing this week. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, the final season of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, also known as The Perils of Ahsoka Tano. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that, break the whole season down, give our overall thoughts and points of views about it and how it all ended. Uh, do we need to do the intro? Okay, here, we're going to do it on The Geek buddies no. <laughs> we, don't always, we don't always do it on the we don't always do it on the spoiler you guys were exchanging a look so i thought maybe i did it wrong you had a little judgment so i thought I, I, i'd make you guys happy but i can't win i can't win uh but uh, i'm excited to talk about this i will say this there was a lot of questions i have 
uh, coming out of the uh, uh, coming out of this finale. So I am uh, going to be uh, throwing in my two cents, but mostly an observer between Mike and Shannon talking about this. So I'm excited to get into it. I will say this just to start off. Absolutely love the hell out of it. Those last four episodes were worth everything leading up to those four episodes. And it seemed a bit of a weird left turn to all of a sudden change the intro, change the thing. But it was, of course, hearkening back to the Clone Wars from the previous seasons in its approach and its vibe. I love that we got shades of uh, what happens to Anakin in her mind. So she's aware of the turn. I love the shock of it all. I love the, you know, you have to remember that people still think the Senator has done so much for the Republic. How could it, how could he possibly turn? How could he be uh, Darth Sidious? All of that. And then of course, which we talked about on Geek Buddies, our previous episode, if you've watched that, uh, the moment where Ahsoka and uh, Rex have, uh, have their confrontation after Rex gets turned. Uh, for order 66 so much to enjoy and explore but the entire season itself i thought was good but not a hundred percent the best uh gentlemen please take it away uh well shannon you know as someone who kind of came late to the clone wars i know i've watched all the clone wars uh previous seasons a couple times through and got, kind of gone back and watched episodes that i loved and did love but you kind of watched it to get to season seven and then yeah. kept going so how did it all stack up to you? Uh, and then we can dive in and get into specifics. Really, really good. I mean, we already talked about how much the, the three of us enjoyed the Bad Batch arc, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially sort of that that opening that opening action scene that they had. I mean, that was something right out that, that was something right out of a film. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the last season hit a little bit of a dip in the middle. I yeah. was not the biggest fan of the Martez sisters arc. Um, I do think it was important. Like we needed to find out where Ahsoka has been, what she's been up to. I just think there was a, there was a, I think I liked the the, the last episode a bit, but you know, those first eight episodes, it was to get to those last four. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, I, I, the, the bold and brave choice that they made to end it on a little bit of a, um, I, I think was awesome. I mean, seeing the interplay between, Ahsoka coming back to the clones, Ahsoka and Rex, seeing how the Jedi's point of view had really changed about Ahsoka. We talked about yeah. how Mace Window, Mace Windu's kind of a dick. Yeah. Mace like, Windu's an asshole. Like, nah, you don't you don't get to be privy to this conversation. Like it was it was because of Anakin that she got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I know that originally uh, they had had an entire season seven plan and there was other arcs in there that were going to be in. And then when they got to Disney Plus and they found out that they were doing the 12 episodes, it did all get a little bit uh, shrunk down. But I really I like that they, you know, the series is called The Clone Wars. And I like that the first arc really did kind of focus on the clones. You know, we found out uh, about what happened to Echo. We, We met the Bad Batch, as we talked about. They were amazing. It was just another step in that uh, in that thing that the series has done on the whole so well, which is humanize the clones. Yeah, that the clones, even though they're all built from Django Fett, uh, they all really bit, do have their individuality. And that these particular clones that were a little bit uh, off kilter from the way that they were <laughs> supposed to be, uh, actually actually kind of had a whole other vibe. I mean, I think any of us would be thrilled to see whether it be in comics or animation or anywhere the further adventures of the Bad Batch. Uh, especially Definitely. especially with that ending where Echo kind of leaves the 501st and goes off with them because he's so different now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just a great way to sort of dive back into this world. I and, don't... It, it, let, me, let me ask you one yeah, question yeah. real quick. Uh, did it cross your mind as we were watching Order 66 happen, 
happening in the 11th episode that maybe the Bad Batch, maybe because they were sort of off kilter, that they never got that ship. Mm. It it occurred to me that I wondered where the Bad Batch was and what happened to them. I think it's almost wishful thinking. I'd be I listen. I'd be happier than anybody to find out in a comic or somewhere that the Bad Batch was so glitchy that Order sixty six didn't happen and they just kept doing what the fuck they wanted. Be great. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, it would be. I, I, yes, it occurred to me. It would be great <laughs> if that happened. It made me happy. I, I, uh, I think that's. I think that has to make sense. I think that's why you introduced the Bad Batch. Because you can use them later on down the road, and it would make sense that they didn't get that order, they didn't kill the Jedi, and maybe they saved some Jedi from getting killed, and that may be a storyline down the road. Although we're, you know, we're supposed to only believe one Jedi survived or whatever, but you never know well, because it's a big, big galaxy. You know, there's, so there's, between between the video games and the comics and the animated series, there's clearly more than one Jedi that survived. Yeah, I mean, but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, they should have they should have worked a little bit longer on that chip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, but yeah, I mean that was cool. Yeah, and also in a way, the Star Wars universe has opened up in a way which I think is a good way. This isn't necessarily specifically about the fin- the final season, but it does sort of. The final season does bring up questions, especially in combined with Rebels yeah. and characters like uh, Maz Kanata and uh, Chirrut in Rogue One, yeah. that they're in the world of the, of the Force, there are Jedi who were trained at the temple as Jedi, but yeah. there are people who are sensitive to the Force all over the place. There's the Inquisitors. Like, they've definitely expanded the world of what it means to be using the Force mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I think that there could be a lot of stories out there, whether it be with the Bad Batch or others, where there's Force-sensitive people. So yeah. I don't know, just something to keep out there in the universe, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right to skip the Marta stuff. Like the Marta sisters, it was, it, I, and as a look, I as a, I wasn't, I wasn't about to skip it. I was about to talk about it, but please oh, okay. go ahead. Go, no, no, I was just gonna say as a Latino real quick, let me throw in as a Latino. I like that. We got some female Latina voices in star Wars. Hey, we're, like I keep saying, we're going to go to the future too, people. So accept it. Uh, I like that. We had Oscar Isaac and we had Diego Luna obviously on camera, but now, and of course, Ben, uh, um, sorry, uh, Jimmy Smith's in the past. But I like the idea of getting this uh, storyline with these two sisters. However, I don't think it was 100% great. The Spice episode was cool. That was fun because you actually saw the breaks in their relationship and the issues in their relationship. And you saw, in essence, kind of a female Han Solo in that no one's going to tell me what to do with my ship and no one's going to take my name. But it was a bit she was a bit impertinent, but she was coming from a place of like, I need to have something that I can call my own in this lower world where everyone's talking about philosophy and Jedis and sits in the force. Those, those of us down here who got to make a living. And so for us, these are the things that we have to encounter. So I thought there could have been more done with those sisters. Uh, and I liked that they were in it, but overall I wasn't a hundred percent satisfied with their storyline. Mikey, please. I think I actually quite like the Martez sisters. I think they're interesting characters. Um, particularly Rafa, I think is really, is really mm-hmm. cool. I think that, um, I, I think the most important parts in the, in the season, as far as Ahsoka's arc, really kind of tie into the fact that A, seeing how people down below view the Jedi. Yeah. A, yeah. A, that people feel that the Jedi started the war yep. is something that Trace brings up, which Ahsoka's like, that's not true. But like, and the idea that the Jedi don't really care about the people. Uh, right. that's, that's, that's really important. And particularly the fact that they tied the idea that the Martez's parents, uh, were killed 
in that first battle in the Clone Wars movie that launched yeah. the entire franchise. That that while the Jedi are off doing all this amazing stuff, uh, you know, and the idea that their parents killed, uh, died, and uh, the one Jedi comes up and says to them, you know, hey, the Force is crazy. What are you gonna do? Uh, you know, it's just like. It really gave Ahsoka a different viewpoint. I think where the arc kind of falls apart, it's, it's three episodes there in the middle. Yeah. And four. I think it's four. It might be four, but there's, yeah, is it four? I think it's four. Yeah, I think it's four. You know, you have that one episode where they're captured by the pikes mm-hmm. and they escape and they go through this whole thing. There's a whole bunch of getting out of there. And at the end of the episode, they're right back with the pikes again. Yeah. And I think that uh, it did feel like it kind of, drug out maybe an episode too long that you could have gotten what you needed and kind of had another episode that covered things in there. But, you know, I don't know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a, we just need to do these three arcs because this last arc, we're going to like blow the bank on the CG. Mm. So we, you know, I mean, I don't know what the reasonings were. I do feel like that middle arc maybe went a little too long, but there were some great moments. Uh, Mm. I think that when the Martez sisters and Ahsoka leave Coruscant to head to Kessel, you have that great moment uh, where Anakin, it, can feel Ahsoka like they're on the ship yeah. and they're talking to uh, to the um, to the Republic soldiers and Anakin can feel that it's Ahsoka and you call yeah. directly back to the Star Wars movies where the uh, Imperial officer is like uh, it was an old code sir but I was about to let them through should I stop them and he's like no no that the Darth Vader moment there and the Anakin moment here are almost line for line the same mm. and so they they're definitely some amazing moments where it really really got exciting in general definitely the weaker of the three arcs. Uh, and then of course you get to this final arc. And like Johnny said, you know, all of a sudden you get the red clone wars logo, yeah. the classic Lucasfilm logo. They definitely went out of their way to make you feel like this isn't just the end of an animated series. This is a star Wars event in its own right. Yeah. It's almost uh, and- autonomous, isn't it, Michael? Like they almost became autonomous from the movies. Like we're going to do these episodes and these episodes are going to look this way. Like it just was so brilliant how they handled it. Yeah. Uh, and, and as much as the animation sort of plussed itself every season in Clone Wars, I think even as beautiful as the animation was in the first uh, eight episodes of season seven, these last four went above and beyond even yeah. that. I mean, yeah. they were so gorgeous. Opening up on the battle with uh, with Anakin and Obi-Wan and the 501st uh, against the battle droids, it, it felt like the opening of a movie. It was yep. so epic. Uh, in fact, even the score, the Kevin Kiner score, sort of calls back to the uh, the battle uh, at the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi. There's some great musical moments that sort of hit those same beats. Uh, and then the, the, the realization that they're leaving after that to go into the battle that opens up Revenge of the Sith. Like when mm-hmm. they meet up with Ahsoka again and Bo-Katan uh, and they both say that they need, the, they need them to go to Mandalore and they say they have to go because Grievous has invaded Coruscant and the Chancellor is missing. You realize all of a sudden where we are in the timeline and yeah. it's like, it's amazing. It's super, super cool. Uh, and then you get this siege on Mandalore, which is a big event that we know is super important. We've heard about the siege of Mandalore uh, in other places. We know from Mandalorian and from Rebels, that this is a big event that happened. Uh, And then everything with Maul is just spectacular. Uh, You know, poor Darth Maul, they did him dirty in Phantom Menace. Uh, He disappeared before his time. Clone Wars brought him back, made him more dimensional and more interesting than he ever was before. And here's this guy that was tossed aside by the Sith. He's trying to find his place in the world. And he kind of has more information than anybody else does about what's going on. Yeah. Um, 
And his standoff with Ahsoka Tano, it's an amazing lightsaber battle. Mm -hmm. So amazing because they went above and beyond again and actually got Ray Park back and did mo used motion capture uh, to make the battle even more authentic and to make it feel even more like a Star Wars feature lightsaber battle. Yeah. Yeah, there was, um, there was just a crispness with those moves, just a sharpness that um, the, up until this point, they haven't been able to do with traditional animation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think something really interesting is this idea that Ahsoka gets the information from Darth Maul that Anakin is being primed to be the Sith's apprentice. Right. Which, of course, to her makes no sense. She hasn't made this Palpatine connection yet. The idea that Anakin would be a Sith apprentice is literally the craziest thing in the world to her. But she mm -hmm. wants to talk to Anakin about it. But when she does go before the Jedi to tell them that she's captured Maul uh, in a scene that links up line for line, word for word with the meeting they have in the actual movie Revenge of the Sith, she doesn't tell them. She's waiting to talk to Anakin. And I think it's all the more heartbreaking knowing that she wants to talk to Anakin about this, but because of where we are in the timeline, she's not going to get that chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty powerful. And then everything from that point on in those last two episodes, from the moment that Order 66 happens, uh, it is just a fucking crazy ass train right i mean it's just it's just non-stop yeah. i mean her facing off against rex as we talked about on this week's episode of the show where uh you know these two friends are like now at odds with each other and you see rex fighting uh his programming and telling her to check out the information on fives yeah. uh which is referencing the first arc in season six where one of the clones fives kind of uncovers the idea about these chips mm. and the fact that they've called back on that and used that to help Ahsoka kind of get the chip out of Rex's head. And then watching uh, Rex and Ahsoka try and escape while Darth Maul is just causing massive chaos. Uh, you know, I know this week we talked about iconic scenes in star Wars and Johnny, one of yours was the Darth Vader scene from rogue one, yeah, the hallway yeah. scene where he just like lays waste to a hallway for fault full of uh, rebels and they clearly were referencing that scene. Darth Maul is like throws one of the clones up on the ceiling in yep. exactly the same way. And already <laughs> on YouTube, if you search it, you can find people who put them side by side. The Darth Vader <laughs> hallway scene and the Darth Maul scene where they're just going down the hall laying waste. Um, well, and it just shows you how powerful Darth Maul is that the amount of damage he inflicted without a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was just using steel panels from the walls. The amount of dismembered uh, limbs and decapitated heads. Yeah. Uh, very surprising for an animated series. Well, also there are two Darth Mauls, aren't there? Right, like the the Darth Maul and Solo. Isn't the nutty kind of talking? You know, he like he is when he comes back. When Maul comes back in Clone Wars, he is paranoid. He is uh, you know crazy. He's mentally unstable, but which makes him even more of a ruthless villain because you don't know what he's going to do from one moment to the next. And you don't know which side he's on, right? Because remember, he tries to get Ahsoka to join him to go and destroy this thing. And Ahsoka turns him down. Once again, what's great about uh, fantastic uh, uh, stories in movies or in franchises or in mythologies are the tragic moments where a decision was made that could have stopped this all from happening or possibly stopped it all from happening but they're fated not to make that right decision in that moment, which leads to what we see later on her not joining with Maul earlier, uh, even though she does eventually join to, to let him go and stuff, but use him as a distraction, her not joining with him earlier to go into this situation and figure out what's happening because she can't believe that Anakin would be, because that's the one Jedi she believes in. She trusts is Anakin, right? Of all the Jedi, it's Anakin. Who's the only connection she still has to that council 
um, is the one that's going to turn and be the most evil person in the galaxy. Uh, she just can't conceive of it. And because she can't conceive of it, she doesn't go with Maul and because of Maul's situation as well. But when she does, you know, and it was great, the establishment of their connection, when she hears the scene from uh, Revenge of the Sith, when uh, Mace Windu and the Emperor Sidious and, and uh, uh, Anakin, Anakin. Are there, yeah, you hear the screams and everything. I just thought that was brilliant to do it that way. I was afraid they were going to flash back to an animated version of it. But the fact that they just kept it voices in her head so she knew it was true through the force, I thought was awesome. And her reaction, great animation they, on that reaction. They did a great job. Aside from the one scene where she comes into the meeting where Mace Windu and Ki-Adi Mundi and Yoda are all talking around the table. And they actually, it is, like I said, word for word, that she enters a scene from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, they do, to your point, a really good job of keeping you just a little bit removed. They're not trying to tell their version of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge yeah, right. of the Sith exists, and it's over here, and they're telling this version of events that happen at the same time in a yeah. really, really brilliant way. I mean, it was really beautifully done, I thought. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, kind of to your point, I do love the moment where she frees Maul and Maul thinks that they're in like team up land. And yeah. she's like, I'm, I'm not on your side. Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you, you are chaotic. Go do your chaotic thing. And even when he says, can I borrow a lightsaber? And yeah. she's like, I am not rooting for you. Like this is, <laughs> we are not, this is not a thing. Um, it, it's just a brilliant moment. And watching her and Rex oh. fight their way out. Uh, oh. you know, I was, wa I was watching on, um, I forget, I forget where it was. Maybe it was Screen Rant or so I forget who it was, but somebody made a really good point, which was it was really lovely. This entire series, as we were talking about with the Bad Batch, is built around humanizing the clones, making yeah. it clear that these clones, even though they were built in, in Camino uh, and manufactured for this grand army, that they are human beings. And that even when the chips were down and like there was no way she was going to escape, she was not going to kill those clones. Like yeah. Rex is even like, they're going to kill you. And she's like, I'm not doing this. Like, yeah. like setting it to the stun setting, the way they fought out, like they refused to kill the clones, yeah. which I thought was a really, really beautiful thing. And then, you know, some great callbacks. Uh, when Darth Maul steals their ship at the end uh, to, to escape, and she's holding onto the ship. It literally is the exact same thing that Ray does in Rise of Skywalker yeah. when she yeah. thinks that she's got Chewie. But as opposed to Ray, who kind of held on and then Palpatine lightning to the whole thing, uh, you know, she makes the move to let him go. She realizes yeah. that like Darth Maul is going to get away and she's going to go save Rex instead. And I thought right. that was a really powerful moment. Uh, even her, once they do eventually escape in the Y-Wing uh, and she's falling through the sky and weaving mm. through debris, she's Ooh. using the force to control her fall the same way that Anakin does uh, at the beginning of Attack of the Clones when okay. he and Obi-Wan are fighting... Um, the shape-shifting bounty hunter or chasing right. the shape-shifting bounty hunter through Coruscant. Uh, it's almost the exact same move. So some really, really great callbacks in a way that uh, make it feel vintage Star Wars, but also make it feel like it's its own thing, which is really cool. And then the last two scenes, uh, yeah. I, I think, are the money shots of well, maybe the entire where, season. Where we, and this is where we disagree. But okay. Oh, really? Well, yeah. We, we, yeah we, we, we were texting about this yesterday. Okay. About... Um, as they buried the clones and you had the, the helmets there is sort of the, you know, the makeshift tombstones yeah. and how she chooses to leave a lightsaber behind her lightsaber, now, her lightsaber. Yeah. The lightsaber that Anakin gave her. Right. 
to give the impression that she died in a crash. So we, we flash forward to where it's a different season. It's snow. It's uh, we, we, yeah. it, we see I don't the, know that it's, it's I, I don't think it's hot. I don't think it's, you don't think it's hot. Okay. Cause everything, I mean, showing the battle droids showing that that's, that's a Hoth stuff. That's Hoth reference. Snowy well, planet. I, I feel well, but I feel like Hoth is snowy year round. Like, oh, you feel uh, that way? Okay, that's that that that's 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 my head cannon. That's my head cannon. <laughs> I'm just saying, why would you make such obvious references to Empire Strikes Back if it's not Hoth? So I think I that know. I think that on any snowy planet, that's what stormtroopers wear. Okay, yeah. sure. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not yeah. saying it's not Hoth. If you want it to be Hoth, let it be Hoth. Did they say what planet it was they were crashing into? I don't think so. So that's why I think it might be Hoth. But all right. Ma- Maybe it was springtime. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we flash forward to ho- however long it is later that uh, Anakin comes up and he is, he is now Darth Vader yeah. and he, he finds the lightsaber. Right. Now, to me, he finds that lightsaber and he knows he can feel her. Like, he knows she's alive. Vogel disagrees. Vogel thinks he's well, okay. dead. Here's why I disagree. Uh, a lot of time passes. Okay, before that, I just do want to say that, like, the animation, the character animation, the Kevin Kiner score, everything about that moment when Ahsoka and Rex kind yeah. of post-battle, the the shot of her standing in the exact, in kind of the same robe that she wears at the end of Star Wars Rebels, yeah. looking at all those buried stormtroopers, knowing that they went, and buried them like they didn't just leave them for dead like she went in she and rex got all of those troopers that were trying to kill them and buried them and she's standing there taking this all in this is the culmination of everything for her she had already been sort of soured on the jedi because of her personal experiences then what she learned from uh from uh trace and rafa about how they saw the jedi kind of furthered that and then just the idea that they the Jedi put politics over what the right thing to do was and go like everything, the clones, every, like it all kind of came to this moment where she just walked away from all of it. Uh, so powerful, so effective. Yeah. Now, to your point, I went back and watched the season two premiere of Rebels, which is the moment where Vader chases them like the entire the the what as big as the rebel fleet is the ghost Mm -hmm. and a couple ships uh vader comes in on a tie fighter all by himself and kind of just takes everybody out like they're like yeah it's just one tie fighter and he just destroys everyone and when uh when when ahsoka reaches out when kanan and ahsoka reach out there's this moment where ahsoka and vader connect Mm -hmm. and vader says so the apprentice lives and Ahsoka freaks out and passes out. Right. And granted, there's a lot of retconning in Star Wars all the time. So whatever they thought, now they've gotten it. So maybe he knew the whole time that she was alive and he finally found her. Uh, it's definitely possible. Uh, my headcanon is more that he realizes that Ahsoka's just gone at the end, whether that's dead or whatever, that she is no more. He maybe assumes that she was killed in the crash. I don't know, but that... It, but that it, that when he finds out that she's alive in Rebels, fifteen years later, or however long that is, uh, that he's surprised by it. Okay, I I think the way that that I interpreted it is he he knows she's alive, and he is choosing not to go after her. That that I, mean, that, I don't that, hate that. That good still exists in him. He's like, this is a person who was very close to me, 
She wasn't a Jedi anymore. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave her be. Yeah. Yeah. I listen. I don't I don't feel so strongly about it. Like I don't hate it. I think it's left person per, per, kind of vague. Yeah. I think that um. I think that we know that you know whether it's like Ray finding Luke's lightsaber. Like when you hold a lightsaber, there is a remnant. You can feel things. There are things. So. I think you, it would be interesting to hear from Filoni or the team there. Like, you know, because you could have easily, it, it, could, it could go either way. But regardless, he doesn't pursue her. We know that. Yeah. Uh, and then what I really do love, though, is that you have uh, Ahsoka's owl, uh, Morai, kind of circling overhead. Yeah. Uh, and for those of that don't know, uh, I mean, like Morai, like there's the Mortis arc in Star Wars, Clone Wars, where they, where Luke and Luke, where Anakin, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka go to this planet with these three like ancient force wielding characters called the father, the son and the daughter. And the mm-hmm. daughter is the light side. Son is the dark side. It's a great arc. You should check it out. Uh, but when the daughter dies and she kind of represents the good, the light side of the force, they use her uh, life force to sort of revive Ahsoka who had been through some shit. And so from that point forward into Rebels, she has this owl. uh, It's not, it's called a convor, but it's an owl. Uh, It it called Morai that kind of is always following her as sort of a force sensitive creature, a guide. She says that Morai has saved her life in the past. And there's this idea that this is a representation of the daughter who is a representation of the light side of the force. So having this moment where we see Anakin as uh, Darth Vader as the ultimate embodiment of the dark side in this moment, but seeing the light, the daughter, the light side, Ahsoka's owl kind of circling overhead. It's just, it's a beautiful ending moment uh, leading into this awesome shot that I want as like a poster, as like a one sheet. It is the shot of Darth Vader walking away in the reflection of the clone helmet with Ahsoka's symbol painted on it. It's like, it's all the things that we know that Clone Wars is the story that ultimately leads into the prequel trilogy of the forming of Darth Vader. So he's there, it's about the clones. It's about Ahsoka and it all wraps up into that final shot. Uh, and that, that's the end. I mean, that is yeah. closing the book on the Clone Wars to make way for everything that's going to come next. It's the end of this whole era. It's like that. It kind of is like it's the final say on the prequel era of Star Wars, I think. Yeah. More so than the prequels themselves, because it comes so much later and it's so much more detailed that Rebels sort of kicks you off into this new era that leads you sort of into the leading up to the, the, the trilogy, the original trilogy and new hope mm-hmm. that between rebels and rogue one and solo, like the, the, the Obi-Wan series will sort of live in this territory of that middle area, but this is the end of that. And it's just fucking great. Fucking great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was stellar as well. I like the idea of this stormtroopers helmets on the sticks. It, it harkened back to the Mandalorian uh, opening mm-hmm. scene. The first, uh, sorry, the first episode where you see that as well. So it gave you a little bit more of darkness into this. When it, whenever the darkness and the reality of the situation gets to creep in uh, uh, into these, uh, uh, you know, TV shows and movies, I'm always happy to see it. And I was happy to see that her, the rope. I think she is. I think, he knows she's alive. I think he doesn't go after her. I'm more in the Shannon camp, especially because okay. the owl overhead kind of indicates the fact that she might still be alive. So I think that too. Uh, and I thought him holding the lightsaber is it's kind of closing the book on that of him. And of course they'll fight later on in, in uh, rebels, I think. And, and, and that, so in the timeline that happens. Uh, but overall, I thought this was a great way to kind of um, reestablish Ahsoka Tano in your mind, in your world. I mean, she's this one character that is not on screen on the uh, in the movies. 
that has built an incredible legendary life already in these seven seasons of Clone Wars uh, and in other media like Star Wars Rebels and in the book uh, and in the comic books. Uh, she has this whole established life. So it'll be curious. I- I've said this before. I said this before, and I I will continue to. I mean, especially with mm-hmm. Rosario Dawson playing her. That's what I mean. Two of Mandalorian. Two Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Ahsoka Tano, in the big scheme of things, looking back, might be one of the biggest things in all of Star Wars. Hell like yes. I think that like twenty years from now, thirty years from now, when people look back, the story of Ahsoka is going to be it, it, it. She just keeps kind of rising up in the ranks. Yeah. Uh, because it's a story and we don't know where it ends yet. I mean, we know where she began and she sort of was tied into, uh, you know, I think that uh, her her and Anakin's relationship, I think to me is way more affecting than Anakin and Padme, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like it is the core relationship of the prequels leading into Luke and Vader. Uh, and I'll just be interested to see how long this story goes, like what Filoni has planned for her. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's great. What, um, really quickly before we end, you yeah. said before, like, you know, that you had, you had some questions coming out of this or that you, you know, that you're not as maybe versed in all of this. Do you, is there, are there any big questions that you're like, I don't, I didn't really know this or I didn't get this or. My thing is always timeline. You know, it's always like trying to figure out where everything fits. I, t- I think I texted both you guys after it was over. I was like, yeah, okay. Explain to me the time. So once you guys explain it to me, I had the timeline kind of figured out in my head. Uh, but still, there's a lot that uh, happens um, during this time that I want to have answers for. I guess that's what I meant more than anything else, that I'm left with questions about, okay, where's Ahsoka Tano now? Where does she go next? Are we going to see another series with her? Are we going to see just a full-on Ahsoka Tano animated series yeah. uh, that bridges the gap here? Are we going to see that? I think it's curious if we could get a Vader series, Vader in his thirties, like Vader in his thirties, like what, what changes in him? You know, you speak about the owl. So as Shannon said, clearly he's still able to recognize the good. It is still within him. It's just, where are the moments that we get to for Vader? I mean, a really quick answer to the question, because I'm sure other people have this question too. And it's an easy one to answer is that there's like, there's two main areas that we, well, I guess three, but like, yeah, like we see a Sokotano walk away from this ship, yeah. uh, she and Rex. And we don't know what happens until, as I said, looking at timelines of Rebels yeah. is roughly 15 years or so after the events of the Clone Wars because yeah. Leia does show up at some point and she's a teenager and she's already like helping out with the Rebels. Uh, yeah. So there's about a 15 year gap where Ahsoka goes away and she the Empire rises and we don't quite know. There's the Ahsoka novel, which I think you know some of the, uh, explanations about Order 66 in the novel and what happens in this uh, series finale don't quite fully fit. Yeah. So I'm not sure how canon it is, but it is sort of one of her big adventures that sort of gets her uh, in the novel back into contact with Bail Organa and the beginnings of her sort of joining up with a rebellion. But we don't yeah. quite know, but we do know that when Ezra and everybody finds her, she has been sort of yeah. uh, managing these cells. Yeah. And then we know from the end of Rebels which kind of does a time jump and hits post battle of Endor, the end of the empire uh, that Ahsoka was around. We don't know that she was fighting in the rebellion. Like obviously, as far as we know from the trilogy, Luke was the Jedi and that was the big deal. So I don't think she was off fighting with the rebels, but we, she does show up because her and Sabine take off to go find Ezra who disappears at the end of rebels. And then we don't know what happens after that. Uh, And she could be, so we don't know, where she is in the 30 years that lead to uh, 
the beginnings of the new trilogy. We don't know if she's still alive. We don't know if she could potentially have gone on some epic journey far, far away and show up post that stuff as an older Jedi yeah, yeah. Uh, or force wielding person. She could have well, visited Luke on that planet while he was like not wanting to fight anymore. If she yeah. lives long enough, certainly. Well, and the Mandalorian takes place, is it five years or 10 years after Return of the Jedi? Yeah, five years. Five. Yeah. Five, okay. So, so yeah, yeah there's a lot of, know, there's there's a lot of questions. When the second season of The Mandalorian yeah. takes place, if she does indeed show up. Yeah. We'll yeah. Get so I think there's going to be a lot of, whatever we find out about her in Mandalorian, there's going to be a lot of putting pieces together, yeah. uh, combing over every single thing that she says and trying to understand like what's in the tea leaves. So it'll be interesting. Yep. Well, we should wrap up here. Uh, we're over the 30-minute mark. Thank you all so much for uh, watching this uh, spoiler review of uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars uh, Season 7. It was fun to go back into this world. I think it was well worth the wait. Uh, and like Mikey said, there's probably more arcs and storylines they'd written, thinking they'd have a longer season. But what they were able to do with these 12 episodes was, I think, very effective and certainly uh, has everybody talking and the tongues wagging uh, afterwards about where we're going next and what new animated series we might see that's connected to this one. Certainly Rebels was connected to Clone Wars, so maybe in some way the next animated series will be connected to both of those and have some of those characters popping up along with new characters. We shall see. Uh, but overall, final thoughts on the season real quick, boys? Thumbs the Force up. was strong. The Force was strong with this season. <laughs> that, was, that, one was, that was cool, too. I love that Rogue One reference. Yeah, what about you, Chip? Yeah. yeah. Thumbs up all the way. Yeah, super yeah. worth it. Agreed. Yeah, and and if uh, if you've never watched the Clone Wars, I, I would imagine that our, uh, our the majority of our audience does watch the Clone Wars. If you haven't, you will be able to start the show and get to a satisfying conclusion. Yeah, I agree with that. That's good. Good. Uh, good said there. Uh, well said there, Shannon. And uh, what should we tell them uh, again about us? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. That's right. Uh, Mikey? Uh, and hey, we would love to uh, continue this conversation. We love to talk to you guys. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, we love to get the word out. So... Uh, if you are listening to us on iTunes or Anchor or Spotify, please rate us. Please leave some comments. If you're watching us here on YouTube, uh, definitely subscribe to Johnny's page and leave us some comments below. Uh, retweet us, Facebook us, share us, spread us far and wide uh, for across the galaxy. And let's keep this geeky conversation going. I agree. And also remember to hit the like button on this video as well. Some we I don't stress enough in all these uh, Geek Buddies videos. Uh, hit the like button. Uh, the higher number of likes certainly helps us get seen by YouTube in a positive way. So do that as well. All right. Much love to all of you all. And as I said uh, on the other show, don't forget that I have a new uh, Star Wars show called The Jedi Way that's going to be out on the Outlaw Nation uh, channel as well for you to enjoy. So please uh, go and find that and uh, watch that show as well. All right. That's it. From all of us here on the Geek Buddies.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.